Good evening. Thanks for coming tonight's class. Um, was dedicated by my parents. This is in honor of my great grandfather, Yekusil Pinchas Ben Baruch Tzvi, uh, whose yard site is going to be on Wednesday. May his neshama have a very, very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he shower and channel lots of brachas from above to his whole family, my family, extended family, for much bracha and mazel and only good. And hopefully a lot of bracha for all of us over here. Um, another dedication was tonight was by um, uh, Izzy Bestamsky. This is in honor of his uncle, Yeshua ben Yisrael, whose uh, his yard site is going to be on the 15th of Av. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. He also dedicated the CD this week in honor of the uh, Bestamsky wedding coming up this week. Um, Shia and Ariella is, uh, are making a wedding for their daughter, Rachel Bestamsky, and she is marrying. Um, she's getting married this, when is it, Thursday, Bezos Hashem, to Moshe Meiman. May they build a beautiful, beautiful home. May the wedding be Bishatayva Matzlachas. May it be a Binyan Adeyad, and a lot of Bracha, and a lot of Mazel. And may they only have lots of Simcha and lots of joy and um, beautiful, build a beautiful, wonderful family with healthy children and eventually grandchildren and a lot, a lot of nachas to, the, uh, to Ariella and to Shia and to everyone with only, only good. A big, 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 big mazel tov to the whole Bastamsky family. Another dedication this week, uh, we are doing at, uh, at Mayon, and this is, we're dedicating the CD uh, for our dear, dear friend, Eitan Piliavin, who is also getting married um, this Thursday on the same day. Um, Eitan Yisrael is marrying Miriam Hadassah. Um, may they build together a beautiful home and uh, have a binyan adeyad, and may the wedding be b'shatayvo mitzlachas, and may they have a home full of light, full of bracha, full of mazel, full of parnasa, and full of, full of goodness, and uh, blessed generations, and only, only good, and may all the weddings lead us to the ultimate wedding, uh, the wedding between the Jewish people and Hashem, um, in Yerushalayim, Ira Kodesh, may we be already comforted, this Shabbos is Shabbos Nachamu, May we all, the Jewish people, be comforted from all of our sorrows, and may we see already the third base Amigdash. May it be now. All right. Um, this week we read Parshas Ve'eschanan, and I'd like to um, focus on the very, very, very end of the parsha, the very, very last pasuk. It, it talks about reward, and it talks about Hashem's Hashem. Um, rewarding, it says in the Pasuk Tess, V'yadata ki Hashem elokecha, you should know that God, your God, who elokim, He is the all-powerful one. He is the almighty one. He controls everything. And therefore, hu akela nemon, He's a trustworthy God, Shomer habris, He keeps the covenant. V'hachesed and kindness, l'ahavav, to those who love Him. Or the Shem and to those who 
guard his mitzvahs. La'elev dor for a thousand generations. Now Hashem will reward the good that we do, not just to us, but to our children, to our grandchildren, to our great-great-grandchildren for a thousand generations. A thousand generations eat and benefit from the good deeds that a person does. Imagine that. That's, who knows, hundreds of, tens of thousands of years. Thousand generations. For every good deed that we do, the merit lasts not just for the person doing it, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, for a thousand generations. And elsewhere it actually says it's for 2,000 and, and the explanation is I think Rashi says it over here it depends if the mitzvah is being done out of love of God or the mitzvah is being done out of fear when mitzvahs are being done out of fear then it lasts for a thousand generations a higher performance of a mitzvah more desirable performance of a mitzvah is when a mitzvah is done out of love and then the merit of the mitzvah stands by us for two thousand generations and then the Pasuk continues, the last Pasuk. V'shamarta mitzvah. You should observe the commandment. V'sachukim and the statues. V'samishpatim and the laws. Asher anoichi mitzavcha ayoyim that I command you today. La'asosam to do them. And with those words we conclude parshas v'eschanam. You should observe the mitzvah, the laws, the statues and the laws. That I have, that I am commanding you today, la sosam to do them. So Rashi makes a very interesting statement on this last word, la sosam to do them. Rashi takes the last two words, hayoyim la sosam, today to do them, and Rashi says like this, hayom is the last Rashi in our parsha, hayom la sosam today to do them, ulamachar and tomorrow. To the world to come, little scharam, you can take the reward. Okay? When it says in the Pasik, it is today to do them. So today doesn't only mean today. Today means in this life. In this life, we do the mitzvahs. Tomorrow, we take the reward, we reap the reward. That's Rashi's statement. I mean, on the first simplest take, the way we understand this Rashi, looking at it just on a fast, as we as we accustomed to looking at Chumash, we sometimes don't read it and spend much time analyzing and thinking. We think we understand everything instantly by looking at it, and we right away form an opinion. Today is going to be a classic example how we can get something so wrong by reading things quickly and not really digging deeper. Um, so the nor- simple meaning of this is that reward of mitzvahs we don't have in our life. We don't get any reward from mitzvahs in this world. When Today's days, what's your business in this world? In this world, your business is to do the mitzvahs. Not to seek reward, because you're not getting rewarded for your mitzvahs anyways in this life. The reward for mitzvahs is going to be in the afterlife. Or whatever you want to say, lamachar tomorrow means, it can mean in the afterlife, after the neshama leaves the body. It can mean 
tomorrow can mean in the world to come, can mean after Mashiach comes. And especially after the resurrection of the dead. And that is called tomorrow. So there is today, and then there is tomorrow. And Rashi is telling you, Hayyayim la In this world you get to do the mitzvahs, you don't get to be rewarded for them. Tomorrow is when you get the reward. So the first thing is, first of all, we just have to understand, who needed any commentary over here? Where do we even come to this? The Pasuk is saying, you should observe all the mitzvahs, and the statues, and the laws, that I am commanding you today to do them. So what's wrong with this? God is telling us, observe the commandments that I am commanding you today to do them. So where do we even come to this? Today to do them, and tomorrow you get the reward. It seems like it's trying to read in more than what it even says. It seems like it's unnecessary even to explain that. Or to say, rather, meaning it seems like you're pushing it over here. The Pasuk is saying, do the mitzvahs that I am commanding you to do them. So Mepharshim try to explain, the commentator is on Rashi, try to comp- explain why even give, how does Rashi even take this, this idea that the Pasuk is trying to emphasize today you do them, tomorrow you get the reward for them. Right? What forced Rashi to think that way or to make his comment? So they say two explanations. One explanation from the Maskil David, one of the great commentators on Rashi, he says the word la sosam is unnecessary. If it says you should observe the mitzvah, the laws, that I am commanding you today, that's enough. God is commanding us to do what? If He's giving us a commandment, so of course He's commanding you to do them. To do what? To look at them? What's the idea? Hashem, Hashem is saying, you should observe the commandments that I am commanding you. That is a complete statement. I don't need anything else. Fine, I know. If, the, if, if God says, I am commanding you, we understand that it is to do them. So the word la sosam is an extra word. So it comes to teach you that therefore Rashi learns that because there's an extra word la sosam that comes to tell you hayoyim la sosam in this world today is when you do them but in this world you don't get reward for them. Tomorrow you will get reward for your mitzvahs. That's how the Maskele David learns this Rashi that he's bothered by the word la'asosam, which is an extra word. Other Mepharshim say, the Mizrahi, and others say that uh, the way Rashi knew it is because Rashi was bothered by the word hayom. You can't say that it means hayom, that I command you today, because we were not commanded on that day. Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to the Jewish people at the end of the 40 years. This is already, Moshe Rabbeinu is preparing the Jewish people to enter the land. This is 40 years after Har Sinai. 40 years after we've already received the Torah a long time ago. So you can't say you should observe the commandments that I am commanding you today. The word today cannot, cannot tag along to the word commanding, mitzavachah, because you're not commanded today. We were commanded a long time ago. So you're forced to say 
that the word Hayom applies not to the Mitzavcha, but rather to the next word. Asher Anoichi Mitzavcha, comma, that I command you, comma, Hayom La'asosam, to date to do them. Not to do them, to date to do them. In other words, the, the way Rashi knows to teach you this teaching, that it's only today to do them, but tomorrow you will get the reward. Where do we know that? Because the word Hayom has to be attached to the word La'asaysam and not to the word Asherah Nochim Etzavcha. Because since we're talking at a time when the God had already commanded us a long time before this, so the Anochim Etzavcha, the Hayom, cannot be applying to the previous word, Metzavcha Hayom, I'm commanding you today. But rather, like I commanded you when? A long time ago. But what? And even though I know you might be thinking, well, we have in Shema, we always say all the time, that I am commanding you today in the Shema. So there it also says, I'm commanding you today, and it's not today. And when God said the Shema, Moshe said the Shema, also at the end of the 40 years, well, over there, Rashi says a special thing. This comes to teach you that the mitzvah should not be in your, you shouldn't relate to a mitzvah like it's an old commandment, but every day the mitzvah should be as if it's the first time you're doing the mitzvah. We shouldn't, we shouldn't allow Torah and mitzvahs to age upon us. Sometimes we get tired, it gets, mitzvahs become stale. Because you don't feel, so therefore the word mitzav chayom is that it should be in your eyes. Every day it should be in your eyes like new. Okay, so we can say the same thing over here, but we can't say the same thing over here because why would the Torah have to teach you that twice? Especially if it's telling, especially the teaching that it's supposed to be in your eyes like new. You can't say the Torah has to teach you that twice. Because that would be itself telling you that it's not like new, so I have to tell it to you again. So therefore, obviously that for that it's enough one time. If it says again over here, Asher Anoichi Metzavcha Hayom, and the Hayom cannot be referring to that Asher Anoichi Metzavcha, why? Because God did not command us today. It's as if He commanded us today, but He didn't command us today. So therefore, what am I doing with the word Hayom? So I have to put the word Hayom to the next word, Hayom La Sosam, Today to do them. So what does it teach you? That today to do them, tomorrow you receive the reward. Good. So now we understand what, why we, why, what brought Rashi even to give us this comment. The question over here is, what is Rashi saying? Now Mepharshim say, the Be'er Ma'im Chaim, who's the brother of the Maharal of Prague, and others and other commentators as, as well, they say, that what Rashi is implying over here is the rule that I mentioned earlier that there is no reward for mitzvahs in this world. Mitzvahs are not, and it's a statement, the Gemara makes such a statement. The Talmud makes a statement, I'm going to quote the words of the Talmud, it's an opinion of Rabbi Yaakov, one of the sages of the Talmud, and it seems like we follow his opinion. And it says like this, Schar mitzvah Baha'i al-maleka. Rewards for mitzvah in this world, it, it doesn't exist. We're not rewarded for mitzvahs in this world. The explanations are given, this world is too small to receive the reward of a mitzvah. The reward of the mitzvah is so great and so spectacular that even if one was to have all the pleasures of life, it's not the reward of a mitzvah. 
So it would be silly to squander the reward of a mitzvah on the silly pleasures of this world, because this is not at all real pleasure. The real delight and the real pleasure is in the world to come. So that's why God does not reward us in mitzvahs in this world. Now, this would actually then, if this was what Rashi would be saying, the sequence of the psukim would be fitting very nicely. Because in the last pasuk, which I skipped before, in the pasuk before this, in the verse before this, verse the last, second to the last pasuk, it says the opposite. It says that there are people that God does reward in this world. And those are the people that God very, very, very much dislikes. It says, that God repays His enemies. Okay? God does not ever um, remain in debt to anybody. Every person is paid back for the good that they've done. Now there are people who are wonderful, wonderful good people and God really loves them and they're in general in their life, they're righteous people, good people and these are people that God says, you know what, I'm not going to give you the reward in this world because I want you to have the real, I, I want to invite you to the real party. But then there are people that God, that the Pasuk refers them to those who hate God. So we're talking about we're not talking about just a person who sins here and there. We're talking about extremely evil people. Extremely evil, wicked people. There are people like that, that are extremely wicked. But yet, every person is going to do once in his life something nice, some kind of a kindness, some kind of a favor. Because even in the most wicked heart, there could be a tiny, 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 tiny little bit a little, little spark of goodness that might come out once in their lifetime and they do something nice. So God, however, does not want this person to show up to the big party after Mashiach in the, in the end of the, you know, at, uh, at the end of uh, uh, the ultimate reward. God does not want this person to be there. So God makes sure to pay the person up quickly in this world. That's what it says in the Pasuk. Umishalem l'sonav, he pays to those who he, who who hate him, or to those who he hates, El Panav, in front of his face, meaning as long as they're alive. Why? The Pasuk says, La Havido. The purpose is to annihilate them from the world to come. Now, it was in order that they shouldn't have any excuse to show up there, because God says, I'm done with you already. Lo Ya'acher Hashem will not delay to those who he dislikes, El Panov, he will not delay his reward to them. El Panov Yeshalim Loi, during their lifetime, God will pay them back. So the previous Pasuk then is refer, saying clearly that there are people who explicitly God goes out of his way, so to speak, to reward them during their lifetime and give them all whatever reward he owes them to pay them up quickly. Okay? So now the next verse continues. It's saying, God says, and all the rest of you that are not in that group that I really dislike, you should observe my commitments, my commandments. Don't think about reward. Hayom la sosam. You just be busy doing the mitzvahs, doing the good deeds, because today is when you, have, you, you, you do the work. Tomorrow, it'll be really nice. Lamachar tomorrow, you will receive the reward. 
That is the way the uh, commentators learn this Rashi. Now when I said before we're not supposed to learn the Rashi superficially, I really should say like this. It's hard to call it superficially if almost all the commentators read the Rashi and explain it like that. What I mean is that compared to the depth of what we're going to see, a deeper, much deeper understanding of Rashi, and when we see that, we say, oh, hold it. Perhaps we shouldn't take things at face value, but we should analyze and dwell on something much longer so that we can see the inside. So, now, it's interesting. This Pirush from the Mepharshim, as I mentioned earlier, Be'er Ma'im Chaim, and others, their, their Pirush in, in, in Rashi is consistent it's consistent with the, with, the, with the Talmud with the Gemara meaning reading these two verses that we had just present, presented one of them speaking about people that God rushes to reward them quickly so that he doesn't have to reward them in the world to come and then in contrast to that there are other people that God doesn't give them any reward in this world because He wants to save it all for the time when it really counts. That's what it implies in Mesechtis Erevin. Mesechtis Erevin, tractate Erevin, Daf, Chav, Aleph, or no, Daf, Chav, Beis. So the Gemara says over here, Amar the Gemara brings this, the Talmud brings the Pasuk, the Pasuk I mentioned earlier, Lo Ya'acher God does not delay to his enemies. Amar Rab Ila, Rab Ila says, L'soynav hu delo ya'acher. To his enemies, he does not delay. Avol ya'acher letzadikim gemurim. But for perfectly righteous people, God does make them wait. The righteous people have to wait. Fahainu da'amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. This is what the great sage Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, "My dechsiv." What does it say in the verse? Asher anoichi metzavcha hayom laasosam. That's the verse that we are quoting the Rashi from. That I am commanding you today to do them. Hayom laasosam today to do them. V'loy lemachar laasosam. But tomorrow, in the world to come, you can't do them anymore. Mitzvahs you can only do when you're alive in the physical world. Or mitzvahs we can only do now, in our life now. After the resurrection of the dead, mitzvahs will, will, we won't be able to do mitzvahs anymore. Hayoyim la'asoysam, today you do it through them, l'machar l'kabuzcharam, tomorrow you receive the reward. It's two, two separate times. There's the time of now, and there's the time of the tomorrow. Today is the time of labor and work. Tomorrow is the time of reward. So you see from the Talmud, that the Gemara is also learning these two verses to be contrasting one to the other. The first Pasuk is speaking about wicked people who God hastens their reward to give it to them now so they shouldn't have to come to the world to come. The second verse is speaking about righteous people that God intentionally saves all the reward for what is really, really worth it for the world to come. Okay? That is the Gemara, consistent with our Rashi, which seems to, which seems to be saying the same thing.
However, we all, uh, we've, I mentioned this at other times, the Lubavitch Rebbe has a, an incredible deep way and analyzes Rashi's under a magnifying glass and comes up with such brilliant explanations and literally metamorphosized the Rashi's. And when after you learn the, the, the Rashi with the Rebbe's commentary, you see that it's a whole different Rashi and it's a whole different message. Especially as we're going to see today, it's a whole, it's, it's, it, it's, that's not at all what Rashi is saying as we're going to see. Because the Rebbe says there's really a few problems in reading the Rashi like this. If we're going to read the Rashi saying that what Rashi is trying to say is that in our life there is no reward. For tzaddikim, for righteous people, the reward is going to be in the world to come. So, there, so the first question is, so why don't we find... When Rashi explains the first, the bad guys in the, Latin, in the first verse, there it explicitly says who we're talking about. Who gets the reward immediately? Who gets instantly rewarded in this world for all the good they do? The Pasuk says clearly, those that I dislike, God says. L'sainav, those who hate, he hates them or they hate him, whatever it is. The Pasuk says L'sainav to the God's enemies. So to them... Now, Rashi should have said in the next Pasuk. In the next Pasuk where it says, the reward is, today it's to do, today is a time of action. Tomorrow to take reward. It would have made sense that Rashi would have added one word and that would have made it very clear who we're talking about. Rashi would have said, but to the righteous. Meaning those that are not wicked. You see, the Gemara does that. The Gemara says, the first verse is speaking about the wicked. Then the Gemara says, Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, to tzaddikim, it's a different story. Rabbi Ila says, lo only to his enemies. tzaddikim, but to tzaddikim, to the righteous, God does not pay them right back right away. Rashi doesn't mention one word about tzaddikim. In his commentary. Over here at least. He doesn't mention one word, which it would seem to be saying that Rashi's statement in saying that there's no reward in this world, that there's no reward, re- reward in this world for righteous people. And the reward in this world is, I'm sorry, that there's no reward for mitzvahs in this world, but the reward is in the world to come. Or rather, Rashi doesn't say there's no reward in this world. But Rashi says the reward is... Lamachar, tomorrow you take the reward. Rashi seems to be saying that that's for everybody, not only for tzaddik. Because he doesn't mention that it's only tzaddik. That's the first diok. If you're looking carefully, it would have made sense for Rashi to clearly distinguish who we're talking about. It's interesting, there is another pasuk in Parshas Hazinu, where it says over there that God is kel emunah, God is a God who can be trusted. Ve'ain avel, and he and he doesn't and he doesn't do any wrong. He never does anything wrong, and he's and he's and he's he never misjudges, and he's a kelamuna God of trust. So Vidir Rashi says, kelamuna means he's a trustworthy God to pay the tzaddikim when in the world to come, so they can trust him. Because they're waiting, they haven't received their reward. They have to trust Him. Ain Avel, God does never 
do any wrong. He doesn't wrong anybody. Rashi says means the opposite. For the wicked people, he also pays them, but he pays them in this world. So you see, when Rashi wants to make a distinction between tzaddikim and non-tzaddikim, he says so explicitly. You can look up the Rashi over there. Over there, Rashi explicitly says it. Over here, he doesn't. He just says, okay, the wicked God pays right away. But then the next Pasuk, he says, a general statement. In this life is where you, where you get your, is where you have action. In this life is where we do mitzvahs. Tomorrow you receive your reward. He doesn't say that tomorrow you receive the reward is only talking for tzaddik. Another very, very simple question, which leads us that, to say that Rashi could not be saying that there is no, that it can't be that Rashi is saying that there is no reward in this world. Because simply, Rashi is a commentator who sticks as much as he can to simple meaning of the Pasuk. He tries to read things in the most simplest, straightforward way. Not, you know, twisting things, not looking for, you know, all kinds of calculations. Rashi is pshat. Pshat is always the most simplest interpretation you can interpret things. Unless Rashi has no choice, and he has to explain things a little more according to drash. He has to expound in different ways. But Rashi generally stays to to pshat. In pshat, when you're learning chumash, it's almost impossible to say that there is no reward for mitzvahs in this world. Open up the Chumash, go to the end of Parshas, of Sefer Vayikra, Leviticus, the last Sefer of Vayikra. There's a whole Parsha in the Torah beginning with If in my statutes you will go, and my command, whatever, you're going to do my mitzvahs. And the Torah goes on to give us a whole list of rewards. The rains are going to come and there's going to be an abundance of blessings. And the verses go on and on and on to speak about material blessings which simply are speaking about here and now in the physical world. They're not to be understood as metaphors. These are Rashi doesn't explain them as metaphors. We're talking about simply having a wonderful, blessed life full of prosperity, full of blessings and all the blessings that we know in the physical material world. So, there is a, so, so how can you say such a statement that there is no reward in this world? Now, I'm not questioning what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is talking in the realm of halacha. The Gemara is talking already in a, in a realm, there's various different ways of expounding in Torah. But when you're learning things on the level of pshat, pshat, the Pasuk says clearly, speaks about a lot of reward in the physical and in the material. What more? We're just concluding Parshas Veschanan. The Pasuk I'm reading right now is the end of Parshas Veschanan. It leads us into the next Parsha. What's the name of the next Parsha right after Veschanan? Parshas Ekev. What does Ekev mean? Ekev means as a result of. And referring to what? God is saying, as a result of, as a consequence of, as a reward of, Tishma in you listening to me. And it goes on to give you a whole list of blessings. 
God is going to watch for you. He's going to keep for you as a bris, the covenant and a kindness that he has promised your fathers. And he will love you and he will bless you and he will increase you. And he will bless the fruits of your wombs and of your land, your grain and your wine and your oil and your animal, whatever. And he goes on and on. You're going to be blessed from all the nations. You won't have any barren, um, uh, anybody barren amongst you amongst you and amongst your animals, God is going to remove all illness. So clearly the psukim, and we don't have to go far, that's what I'm saying. The next pasuk, Rashi, how can, in other words, how can Rashi come and be making a statement over here that there is no reward in this world when Rashi is going to be stuck? The next, the minute will, the minute the student is going to start learning next parsha, he's going to hold Rashi and he's going to go to Rashi and say, Hey Rashi, what did you just tell me? There is no reward in this world. The psukim are mentioning a whole bunch of rewards. And Rashi doesn't give any explanation to resolve the contradiction. Is a sign, clearly, that on the simple level, we understand that there is reward for mitzvahs in this world. We have to say that there is reward in this. Now, now there are commentators who are bothered by this question. Those very commentators who explain the Rashi like we mentioned earlier. Again, Rashi makes a statement which doesn't say clearly, explicitly, there is no reward in this world. What Rashi says is, let's hear his words. Today is the time of work. Tomorrow you take your reward. Now what Rashi means we don't know yet. But most commentators understand it to mean that only tomorrow you get reward, today you don't get reward. That's how they understand it. If that's the case, they themselves have a problem with all the psukim in the Torah, where the Torah does speak of material, physical reward in this world, not in the world to come. So they want to explain, the Mepharshim want to explain, that Rashi is follows the opinion of Maimonides. Even though Rashi lived before Maimonides, but he has the same idea of Maimonides, Rambam. Rambam is also bothered by this question. Is there reward for mitzvahs in this world or there isn't? And Rambam comes up with an interesting explanation. Where he reckon, Rambam is of an opinion that there's no reward for mitzvah in this world. If so, what's with all the psukim that promise physical rewards, material blessings. So Rama makes an interesting, we spoke about it by the class many times. Ramam says like this, it's true, all those verses that speak about material blessings are true. That if we do the mitzvahs, we're going to get all these, we're going to get bounty, bountiful blessings and all these things. That's 100% true. But that's not reward. Reward is the reward that we can't explain because it's, Rambam says it's so magnificent that it, it's, you can't, you can't describe it in the physical. It's totally beyond physical. It's delighting in God's, in, in, in the rays of the Shekhinah, which is a type of pleasure that is totally beyond our understanding. And that's the, that's the real reward. If so, what is the Torah promising that we're going to have good lives and lots of, and wealth and all everything else? So Ramam says, what God is telling you is as follows. If you will work hard diligently to keep my mitzvahs, then I'm going to make it easier for you to do more mitzvahs by taking away all illness, by blessing you with a, a, 
with abundance of material blessings. So you shouldn't have distractions. So you should be able to learn more Torah and do more mitzvahs so you will merit the world to come. In other words, the real reward is in, reward is in the world to come, not in this world. All the material blessings that the Torah promises us is only God saying to us, I will, if you are, if I see you're doing your utmost to keep my mitzvahs, I'm going to lend a hand to help you. I'm going to remove, these are the words of the Rambam, I'm going to remove all the obstacles that would serve as a deterrent and a, a distraction from doing mitzvahs. So they would not let you, because I see you're not trying, why should I help you? But if I see you're trying the best you can, I'm going to remove all the obstacles, and then you're going to have it easy, so that you can really dedicate and devote yourself to receive the ultimate reward. That's how Rambam learns. So there are the commentators who say that Rashi is also of the opinion. So therefore both of them can fit. When Rashi says in our Pasuk, that only in the world to come you receive the reward. It's true. Even though the other verses are saying that there is reward in this world, that's not the end reward. That is only a temporary easement to make it easier for us to be able to... to, to, to um, uh, temporary relief from problems to make it easy for us to accumulate a lot of mitzvahs. That's what we will learn in Rashi. The Rebbe, however, says we cannot say that. He has, and, and he gives three reasons why you can't say that from Rashi. Number one, if Rashi is to hold of that, shouldn't have Rashi explained something? If Rambam spends an entire parak in explaining it, and you can't say that Rashi relied on Rambam because Rashi lived before the Rambam. So why wouldn't Rashi explain to us something so fundamental? If Rashi goes ahead and makes a statement like these mafarshim understand it, that it means that there's no reward for mitzvahs in this world, like these mafarshim understand it. If Rashi is really of that belief, and then we have all these contradictory verses, shouldn't have Rashi at least told us one word? Oh, by the way, you should know that all these rewards are not meant to be the reward. These are just... Like Rambam says, things removing the obstacles. Rashi doesn't say anything, and therefore it's very hard to accept that that's what Rashi believed. Number one. Number two, there's clear indication from different Rashis that Rashi learns that the physical blessings are a reward. And I'll give you one example. Rashi gives a mushal. It says a pasuk in Parshas B'chukaisai. In B'chukaisai it says, there's a verse that says in Vayikra and B'chukaisai, Upanisi Aleichem, I will turn to you. And I will give you so much blessing. I will turn to you. So Rashi gives a mashal. Rashi says it's a metaphor to a person that has many workers. And most of the workers are lazy. They basically do a lousy job. There's one worker who's devoted heart and soul. He's dedicated so much to his master. So his master tells him, um, when he's paying, when he's giving the payments for all of them, he tells him, you wait on the side. He, he, He pays them all. And then, you know, he gives them all whatever. He does says, don't get into the line. And when he's done with everybody else, he calls them over on the side. And he says, you know, with you I have a whole different cheshmer. And that's the meaning, ufanisi alechem. I will turn to you. Meaning, I won't just reward you. I will turn to you. I will turn my attention. So you see clearly from there. Over there we're talking about blessings of the material, physical world. And Rashi sees it. The muscle Rashi gives is the muscle of an employer 
paying his employee. Oh, that's payment. We're not talking about easing, making it easier for him. You see clearly that Rashi is learning that the payments that are mentioned in Buhu Kaisai are considered payments for our mitzvahs. Okay. But here's another very interesting idea. Proof that proofs that Rashi could not be of the opinion in the simple. Again, you have to always understand that the Torah has many layers and there's different ways of learning. But on the simple meaning of learning, when we're learning Chumash and we're trying to understand it on a simple level, Rashi does not want us to come to the conclusion that there's no reward for mitzvahs in our life. The biggest proof to that is the main um, proof that there is no reward for mitzvahs in this world, the Talmud deduces it in two places. It's a Gemara Mesechtis Kedushin and it's a Gemara Mesechtis Chulin. It's the same passage in the Talmud. It's the same Gemara, in, 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 it's the same passage in the Gemara. Where over there the Gemara brings an interesting thing. It learns it out from, from two psukim. You know there are two psukim, there are two verses where the Torah explicitly gives us a reward for a mitzvah. For a particular mitzvah. There's two mitzvahs where the Torah gives us a reward explicitly. Maybe more, but there are two mitzvahs. And which mitzvahs are there? There are the mitzvah of honoring our parents. That's one mitzvah. And the second mitzvah where the Torah gives us an explicit reward is the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird. By both of them, the, 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 by both of them, the pasuk says the same reward. You will live a long life. Laman yaruchun yamecha. So that your lives will be lengthened. Um, on the land, whatever. That's what it says. So, um, now in both these places, when it says, Laman yarichun yamecha, you will live a long life. So the Gemara says about both these mitzvahs, that... It cannot be that you will live a long life, meaning that God is promising longevity. Simple arichos yamim, you'll live a long life if you do the mitzvah. The Gemara says, it, when it says, Allah Adama, on the land that I am I'm giving you, means on the land is in the afterlife. I'm going to quote to you the Gemara. The Gemara is a Mesechtis Kedushin. Over here. Um, the Tanya Rabbi Yaakov, Omer Rabbi Yaakov says, there isn't a mitzvah in the Torah. You're not going to find any mitzvah in the Torah that has reward. Whenever the Torah gives you reward, the Torah immediately puts next to it the resurrection of the dead. Because the Torah wants you to recognize that the reward that it's giving you is not talking about now. It's talking about after the resurrection. By honoring the, your parents, it says, Laman so that you will live a long life. It will be good for you. And by Shluach Hakan, it also says, Laman yamim. In order to be good for you, and you will live a long life. So Rabbi Yaakov says, take a look. So simply it means, if you do these mitzvahs, you'll live a long life. So Rabbi Yaakov poses a simple question. 
I have a question, Rabbi Yaakov says. Imagine a person doing both these mitzvahs that God promises, long life, and the person is doing them both in one shot. His father tells him, Go up to the attic, and bring me small, the, the small chicks. Go up to the attics and bring me the little birds. Bring me the baby, baby birds. This person goes up to the attic. And he sends away the mother bird. Because you're now allowed to take the babies when the mother is still there. So he sends away the mother bird. He's also listening to his father. He's obeying his father's request. Because his fa- it wasn't his own idea. His father said to him, go up. And on his way back, imagine this, Rabbi Yaakov says. On his way back, he falls off the ladder and he dies. So this guy just did both mitzvahs that God promised long life. So Rabbi Yaakov says, where is his long life? Didn't God promise him long life? Where is his long life? Now this is only a Jewish question. Meaning to say, the Gemara right away attacks Rabbi Yaakov. The Gemara says, who says this is going to happen? He comes up with a, with a scenario. The Pasuk says that for this mitzvah you get long life. Right? If you, say, if you honor your father, you give a long life. And if you uh, send away the mother bird, you get a long life. Imagine a scenario like this. A father sends up someone on the roof to get the bird. And he comes down with the mother bird. And he falls down and he dies. Oh, what are you going to do now? Yeah, but who's asking you to think such morbid thoughts that something like this is going to happen? Maybe it's never going to happen. That's what the Gemara asks. So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yaakov wasn't just making this up. He saw this happen with his own eyes. He saw the story happening. He saw a man send his son up to get the, 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 the little birds. And the man went up on the roof. And he came down and he fell down. On the way down from doing the mitzvah and he died. So that was Rabbi Yaakov's proof. Rabbi Yaakov was stuck. And he wasn't going to become an apostate because of that. So he had a problem. What was his answer? So he realized, it says, To do good for you means in the world to come. Fine. So you see from here that the Gemara is learning the idea in both places. This is in Kedushin. Same Gemara is in Masechtis Chulin, all the way in the end of Tractate Chulin. In both places, the Gemara learns it by which two mitzvahs? By Kibbut Aim Shiluach HaKan. Now if Rashi ascribes to this opinion that there's no reward in mitzvahs in this world, wouldn't Rashi have made a similar comment by these two mitzvahs? And the interesting thing is, you look at Rashi, you don't see anything. Rashi doesn't even make the slightest hint by any of these two mitzvahs that when it says long life, it means in the afterlife. It doesn't say anything. In our, in Pashas Vezchanan, when it says you will live a long life, Rashi doesn't say anything because it's Aseris Adibras the second time. And Rashi explained it already in Parshas Yisrael. So he doesn't have to say anything now. But in Parshas Yisrael, let's take a look what Rashi says in Parshas Yisrael. When it comes to the, when it says that you will live a long life, if you, Laman Kabedes Avicha Vesemecha, where we go, Laman Yarichon Yamecha, Rashi says like this, Im Techabed, if you will honor your parents, Yarichon, you will live a long life. Vim Lav, and this is also teaching you, if you don't honor your parents, Yakatsrun, your life will be shortened. Because the words of Torah, you can learn from the yeah, you can deduce the no. Is there any hint over here, even the slightest hint, that Rashi is saying, and by the way, this is not talking about physical life. This is talking about, you know, afterlife. It doesn't say anything. Rashi is teaching a five-year-old. He should have told him, we're not talking about physical life. It doesn't say anything. 
Same thing. Shaluya Hakan. Let's take a look over there. By the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird. Parshas Kiseitze. When it comes to the mother bird, over there, right over here in Kiseitze, it's going to be, Ashalach to Shalach Esaim, send away. Lamanyitavlach varachta yamim, you will live a long life. Guess what Rashi says? When you live a long life, hold it, let me get it. Um. Rashi says like this, mitzvah kala. If, if an easy mitzvah like this, she'ein bechasar in kiss, you're not losing any money. Amra Torah l'aman yitavlach, the Torah is giving you such blessings, you will live a long life, arach t'yamim, kal v'chaymer, how much more so, l'matan z'charesh al mitzvahs chamurais, how much more so for difficult commandments. This is an easy mitzvah. And for an easy mitzvah, you get such reward. Can you imagine for a hard mitzvah? Does Rashi make even the slightest comment over here that we're talking, oh, by the way, we're talking about the world to come. It doesn't say that. See, what's so brilliant about the Rebbe is when the Rebbe learns a Rashi in one place, he checks out all the other Rashis in the whole Torah to make sure it's consistent. See, no one else does that. No one else does that. No one of the commentators of Rashi checks every Rashi with every other Rashi in the entire Torah. Obviously, if you check every Rashi with every other Rashi in the Torah, you will come to different conclusions on what Rashi means. But based on this, he argues and he says, you cannot say that Rashi is, means to say over here that there is no reward in this world. Because if Rashi would have been believing that there's no reward in this world, or of course Rashi believes in what the Gemara says, but if Rashi would have wanted you to learn Chumash that way, that there's no reward in this world and the world is in the world to come, then shouldn't he have made a comment by the two places where the, is the source, where the Gemara says explicitly that that's the source, that there's no reward in this world and the reward is in the world to come. Rashi doesn't say anything. Quite on the contrary, his comment seems to suggest that there is reward in this world. Back! So what are we left with? Then we're back to question number one. What does Rashi then mean? In our Rashi, the last Rashi in our Pasuk, when it says over here, Hayom la'asosam, today you take reward, u'lamachar and tomorrow, l'kabel, l'lamachar and tomorrow, l'itel scharam, you take the reward. What does he mean by that? He can't mean that there's no reward here, so what does he mean by saying tomorrow you will take your reward? So to understand this, just a very, very interesting insight. This passage of the Talmud, that today is, today you, um, today is the time of you do, you, 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 today you do them. Tomorrow, Tomorrow you receive, uh, tomorrow you get reward. Meaning that you deduce from these words, Hayom Lasosam, today is action. Today is not reward time, today is action. And tomorrow is reward, right? It's actually stated in two places in the Talmud. One in Masechtis Erevin, that I had mentioned earlier. The other one is in Tractate Avodazara and Dav Gimel. But there is a slight nuance. They're slightly different. And we see how Rashi carefully crafted his words to pick a little bit from one statement and a little bit from the other statement and create his own 
his own blend of words that is very unique. If you notice that, that's the key to the whole answer. Okay? So let me show you first the difference between what the Gemara says in Erevin, what the Gemara says in, in Avodah Zarah, two, two Gemaras. Anybody reading it would read through it so quickly would not even notice the difference. But when you read it carefully, you notice there's a difference over here. And you see how Rashi is picking a little cherry over here and a little cherry over here. And he puts it together. He makes his own blend, which is very unique. Okay. And by noticing that, you see, ooh, he's got a very interesting intention over here. And the, the idea is as follows. So let's take a look. In, in Mesechtis Erevin, I mentioned it earlier, it says like this, Hayom Lasosam, today is the time of action. Hayom Lasosam, today is action. Tomorrow is not a time of action. Okay, that we haven't been speaking about. Rashi doesn't say that. Okay, but the Gemara says that. Today is a time of action. Tomorrow is not a time of action. Number one. Then the Gemara continues. Hayom Lasosam, today is action. Lamachar tomorrow you receive the reward. That, that, that we spoke about. Tomorrow you receive the reward. Now let's take a look at the same Gemara, same idea, in Mesechtis Avodazara, slightly different. Over here it says, Hayoim Lasaisam, today is the time of action. And not tomorrow is the time of action. That's the same. But then the Gemara continues. Here's, here's the nuance that's different. Hayom lasosam, today is a time of action. Now the Gemara, velo hayom litol schar, and it's not today to take reward. Rashi's, the Gemara is not saying over here, tomorrow you get reward. The Gemara is only saying one thing. From the words today you get, today is you do them, or what you deduce from it is that today is a time of action, in our life is not a time to take reward. So it's the same thing like the Gemara says over there. It's just that the Gemara over there is emphasizing the yeah, and the Gemara over here is emphasizing the no. There's a no and there is a yeah over here. Please don't get lost. It's not, it's not too hard. In Erevin, in, in, in the emphasis is, today you, today you do the action, watch with reward. Tomorrow you get the reward. Not today. But the Gemara over there is not emphasizing that today there's no reward. The Gemara is only emphasizing tomorrow is the reward. Okay? In Erevin. In, in uh, Avodah Zarah, the emphasis is not on what's going to be tomorrow, but what's not today. Today is a time of action and not to get reward. Okay? Now Rashi, interesting, is not quoting like it says in Avodah Zarah. Rashi is quoting what's going to be tomorrow. He doesn't quote what's not today. But, but here, Rashi does slightly change, and he does pick up on something that it says in Masech Tesavodah He changes the word from Lekabel Sacharam, receiving the reward, and Rashi uses the term Litel Sacharam, to take the reward. So, it seems like uh, Rashi on purpose is grabbing two ends on the one hand, he's using language from Masechtis Erevin where it says, where the emphasis is what's going to be tomorrow, not what's not today. He says, Lamachar, tomorrow. But he doesn't use what it says in Erevin. In Erevin it says, Lamachar lekabel scharam, 
to receive the reward. Rashi uses the words in Masechtis Avodazara where it says, to take the reward. That's the whole difference. Such a tiny little word. The difference of receiving reward or taking reward is the answer to a whole question that we've had. And listen very closely. This is very, 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 very special. And here is the story. Rashi is never telling us, chas v'shalem, that there's no reward in this world for mitzvahs. Rashi is very good-hearted and he wants us to have a lot of reward for mitzvahs in this world. And according to Pshat, God is going to reward us and continues to reward us in this world all the time. He's constantly rewarding us for the mitzvahs that we do. We should do mitzvahs and we should be excited even if we're thinking about physical reward because there is physical. Not that we should do them for that reason, but we can be rest assured that there is a reward for mitzvahs for what we're doing. The thing is only as follows. What we're saying is like this. In this world, Hayom, Hayom in today's world, there is reward, but the reward that we get is called Lekabel Zcharam. We receive reward. We cannot take reward. We can receive reward. Rashi's telling you, you should know tomorrow, in the world to come, things are, the rules are going to change. You don't just receive reward, you can take reward. Now what's the difference between receiving and taking? Receiving means it's not up to you. Receiving means you're there, and if whoever wants to give is going to give, is going to give. Now maybe it's your reward. If it's a reward, you, they owe it to you. But you know how it is when someone owes you, even if they owe you a paycheck. Come back tomorrow, come back next week. Sorry, we're having a hard time. There's been a problem. There's been a problem in our uh, computer. Our computers are down. Come back tomorrow. You can be owed from today till tomorrow. It takes a lot of, sometimes a long time to get it. And sometimes people who are owed don't end up getting it at all. Right? Because of whatever reason. It can be all kinds of problems. But when you can take it, when you can take it, when you're, when you're your own boss and you can write your own check, so then you take of course, you're taking honestly what you deserve. You're taking your salary or whatever it is. But you're in control of taking it. So that's the difference between our world and in the world to come. Rashi's saying like this. In our world today, of course, there is rewards from mitzvahs. But for whatever reason, it doesn't always get here. For whatever reason. Because there are things that can get in the way. There are things that can get in the way. What can get in the way? Let's go back to the story of the guy going on the ladder. When the guy went up on the ladder to get, uh, and he did two mitzvahs, that the Torah promises long life. So before the Gemara gets to the conclusion, again, before the Gemara gets to the conclusion that it means that the reward is a reward that you're going to get in the afterlife, before the Gemara gets to that conclusion, the Gemara is thinking, no, maybe the reward is in this life. Okay, Again, even according to... But the Gemara says, how can you deduce from the story that the guy falls down? The Gemara says, how can you deduce from the story that the guy fell down, that there is no reward in this world? Maybe the guy ruined it. He was supposed to get reward. But maybe he himself caused himself not to get his reward. Why? Because he was thinking about a sin while he was doing it. And the fact that he was, he jeopardized his reward because he was thinking sinful thoughts. The Gemara couldn't say that he did a sin, 
Because Rabbi Yaakov was watching him. The guy didn't do a sin. But maybe he was sinning in his thoughts. So the Gemara asked, hey, hold it. Since when do we punish people for, think- for thinking? God never punishes for thinking. Thinking is not considered a sin. It's only when you're doing, not when you think. So the Gemara says, nah, it could be he was thinking about idolatry. And in idol worship, even a thought counts. In idolatry. And everything else, no. But in idolatry, it does. So you see from there, and the Gemara proves that that's not what happened, whatever. Okay, I'm not getting into it. But I'm just saying the very fact that the Gemara can suggest that this person was thinking idolatry, which has nothing to do with the mitzvah that he's doing. This guy is listening to his parents. He's doing the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird. There is some other interference. He has a negative thought. And yet, it will jeopardize the reward. Why will it jeopardize the reward? Why? The answer is, because you're receiving. You're not taking. If you're receiving, until the check is not in your pocket, or even better, until you didn't cash the check, it's not yours. You don't know what's going to happen. It's when the check has cleared in the bank, then you know you have it. Until then, all kinds of things can happen. That's the system in this world. There is reward. If not chas there's no reward. There is reward. But there are obstacles that could get in the way. In olam in the world to come, Rashi is saying, l'machar tomorrow, Rashi is taking very simple, very clearly the words, Little scharam, you can take the reward. Little scharam, you can take the reward, which means you have jurisdiction over your own reward. You can help yourself. You can pay yourself. You can write your own checks. You have God's checkbook. You have God's credit card. You can make the wire transfer on your own. No one can stop you because you have the right to take your reward. That's what's going to be in the, in the world to come. Now, let's, so now let's go back to the Rashi. And now let's see, let's see for a moment um, um, how the flow of the Pasuk is. What is the flow of the Pasuk? In the first, now everything flows so beautifully. In the first Pasuk it says, there are people that God is in haste to reward them in this world. Those are wicked people. Those are people that God does not want to save them and reward to, reward, to, reward to the world to come. So therefore He immediately rewards them. With, that happens immediately. That tells you that what? That there are some people who don't get their full reward in this world. Which means when it comes to others, you could or you can't. Possible to get, possible you won't get. Why is it possible that you won't get? Because there can be all kinds of problems... All kinds, we're going to see soon, all kinds of bureaucrats that can get in the way, that can stop the flow. Not with a wicked person. A wicked person, God is going to buy, bypass all the bureaucrats and all the red tape and make sure this person gets the reward in this world because God doesn't want to see them in the world to come. That is wicked people. Regular people, they could be rewarded in this world, could be not. So Rashi is saying, you should know that this, that it's possible that reward that is owed to someone should not come to someone completely. That's only Hayom in today's world. La in our world of, 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 of where, where the main thing is the work, 
Over here it's possible not to get the reward. Completely because things... Why? Since you're only a recipient of reward, you're not a taker of your reward. Lamachar, tomorrow it's a whole different system. Tomorrow is a whole different system. In the world to come, the, the system changes. We become takers of our reward. And if we're takers of our reward, nothing can get in the way. What is really... So again, based on that, you see it's a whole different Rashi. Rashi is not telling you at all. Rashi doesn't want you to walk away with the feeling there's no reward in this world. Of course. And everybody should be gebenched with, with abundant of blessings. He never means to say that. Rashi is only pointing to. You should know that there is a different type of system in which the world to come is where you're not only a recipient of reward, you're a taker of reward. And then, what's the chiddush? The chiddush is that you, can, you have far more control. That's the point. You have control over your reward. Now, what's the deeper reason? What's the real reason why? Okay, according to the deeper understanding, why is it that in our world you're a recipient of reward and in the world to come you're a taker of the reward? The deeper reason is because today's system works, everything comes down into this world through a Beisden. God has a whole, um, a whole system set up. And there is, a, there is a heavenly tribunal, a heavenly court. The Beisden is very critical. So even when a person does a lot of good deeds, but every single thing must be stamped by a whole bunch of officials, by a whole bunch of uh, whatever, that need to, they need to approve it. So it has to go through approval after approval after approval after approval. There's a lot of bureaucrats. There's a whole system. And that a lot of times makes things get stuck. And that's why, because there's all kinds of calculations. Why, even though you deserve, but you shouldn't get because of this, because of that. That's why we find people that do a whole lot of good and they're not being rewarded. Because there's all kinds of cheshbonas, all kinds of calculations. But then, what's the point? So what's going to be when Mashiach comes? What's going to be after the resurrection? That time is called Yom Shakulo Shabbos. It's called the day of Shabbos. One of the laws of Shabbos is that the courts are not in session. Now if Shabbos lasts for a thousand years, that's pretty good. That means that the courts, there is no based in. That if there's no based in, we know that everything up there is the same like down here. So it says in the Zohar, interesting, just like there's no physical, just like the, a based in is not allowed to be open on Shabbos. We learn it out from the words, that you're not allowed to do judgment on Shabbos. Court is not allowed to judge. You can't, you can't, have a trial on Shabbos because there's no din on Shabbos. Based din are execute judgment. There's no din on Shabbos. So the Zohar says that the 24 um, uh, bate dinim, there are 24 or 24,000, I remember, uh, 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 um, uh, courts that are up there in heaven are shut down on Shabbos. There's no dinim. Now, if when Mashiach comes, it's going to be Yom Shakula Shabbos, it's going to be the long day of Shabbos, means that the, nothing is going to go through Based and everything comes directly from God to us. If things are not coming through the bureaucrats, if it's not coming through Bazin, so there's no reason for ever, ever anything to be withheld. If someone deserved something, immediately, instantly, it will come. And that is the Chiddush of the Moisa Mashiach in which Rashi is saying, so now we gain from the Rebbe, we gain two things. First of all, it's not that we don't, we, see, the Rebbe makes us gain at both ends. That's what I, it's so gavaldic. He's, he's so positive on both ends. On the one hand, he says, he doesn't hurt him that we have reward in this world. Let us have reward in this world. 
Rashi never says there's no reward in this world, number one. Number two, in regards to the world to come, look how much power he gave us. That what Rashi is saying, little scharam, that a Jew has the ability to take. There will be no, no needing to put in a petition and to wait for it to be approved. It has to be approved. How many times do we have situations in all of our lives is that we have things, we deserve it, and we're supposed, we earned it already, but then it needs to get the approval. And then you find out that the office over there was closed, or the person who's in charge, who needs to sign off, went on vacation. And then when you call back two weeks later, when he was supposed to come back from vacation, you found out that there was a storm in Hawaii, and he couldn't come home, and his plane was held back another two weeks. So then, till he's going to come, an assistant says, I'm sorry, I need Mr. So-and-so has to sign off on it. And wow, what are you going to do? I need the money today. Go, hack the cup and vant. We don't care. No one cares. That's just the way it works. When you have to work through systems. And sadly, spiritual systems have even more bureaucrats than they have down here. Talking about 24,000 courts where things need to go through. No wonder why sometimes there is such, such a lack of, of bracha. A person thinks, Gavald, I did so many things. It takes a long time for things to be approved and to get down here. But when Mashiach will come, Rashi is very careful. You can take the reward. But here's another idea. And it's also another very powerful idea. On the other side, Litel Scharam also teaches you something else. The difference between Lekabel to receive and Litel and to take has another meaning, another concept, another ramification to it. Not just the ramification of whether you're controlling it or not. There's another ramification. Lekamel means you're sitting and you're not doing anything and you're just receiving. You're not an active participant. You just sit back and you receive. Little, on the one hand, means you have more control. But on the other hand, it means you have to work. You have to get up and take your reward. You got to do something. You got to take it. What does that imply? That implies an amazing thing. Some people are uncomfortable with the entire idea of Mashiach and the world to come because we are so work-driven and we, are so, we have been trained so much in, in the five millennium of Hayom Lasosam time of working that when we hear that a time will come when we're all going to be on vacation forever, it starts getting very uncomfortable. Like, what kind of fulfillment can we possibly have if there's no work? A person needs to work. So here we're saying there's no work. You're just a, you're just a beneficiary of, of, of pleasure. And how much pleasure? Well, God's pleasure is infinite. So you sit back and it's just wait until the pleasure will fill you and fill you and fill you endlessly and endlessly. That seems to be, in many ways, very, very unfulfilling. So... People will say, but it's such a pleasure that it's worth it, it's, 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 it's entertaining. Yeah, but it's still unfulfilling because we need to work. But even deeper than that, how can we entertain that we will be living a life in relationship with God and not serving Him? Seems like the service is over, you've done your work, and now what? You're not serving anymore. Can it be that we will be living without Avodah Sashem, without serving God? It doesn't sit well in a Jewish heart. And the answer to that is, there will be service after Mashiach comes. There will be avoda, there will be work. But it's going to be a different work. The work now is to transform the world, 
The world, the, the work now is to rid the world of darkness, to fight the demons that are all over the world, to get rid of the effects of the snake and all that darkness. That's our work now. After Mashiach comes, the work is going to be to take reward. Your reward is going to involve work because you're going to have to take it. Now, what does that mean? I mean, I mean if you don't take it, you're not going to have it. And you're going to have to work on taking it. I think a little explanation to that can be as follows. Um, that reward can come as a reward, reward, but you have to take it. I think, and I'm going to use this example because I'm also going to use it as an advertisement. I think whoever comes here ever on Thursday night and manages to sit three hours through a class of real deep, profound, unbelievable Hasidis leaves rewarded tremendously. You mamish experience sometimes extreme spiritual bliss and ecstasy of such brilliant light that comes out of the discourses that we learn here. I mean, this class is enough to tolerate an hour and usually I go over time. Uh, Thursday night, three hours, four hours, it's, it's, it's a lot of labor and a lot of work. You have to really make a commitment and you have to work and you have to apply yourself and you have to sit through it. But when you sit through it, it's reward. It's tremendous reward. But you have to work. So when Mashiach will come, it's not like reward will be flying everybody, you know, zinging you with pleasure. That's not what's going to happen. What Mashiach comes is, it's going to become accessible to us, knowledge. Now, but to actually get the knowledge, you have to sit down and learn. And that involves toil. It's not like there's no toil. If you will toil, you will be able to access in your mind and in your understanding such brilliant light, far, far more than we can do now. But it will be a labor, a labor, a labor of reward. And the content of life then is going to be to work as much as you can to receive more and more and more reward. And that's what God wants of you then, that you should come to a pleasure of knowing Him, but that's work, and that's the way you're serving Him. When Adam Arisha was put into Gan Eden, it says, La'avda, to serve Him. It was work in Gan Eden. It was a service. Now the service is not at all for our sake. The service is now completely for Hashem to be able to make for Him a home in this world. When Mashiach comes, we will also serve Him. But the service then is going to be a service of collecting reward but the reward will not fill us automatically. It's going to involve being engaged, involved, and a person being a proactive and a participant, and an active participant in taking their reward. That's the emphasis. Little scharam. And I think this is a real game changer in the way we understand the entire understanding of the world to come, of the world to, of, of, of Mashiach. It's a whole different understanding. Because people are, are, you know, think that you know, just it's just going to be blinding light and whatever. That's true, but it's going to. If you want to receive something, you want to, you're going to have to work, work. Go to the shear, whoever is going to be teaching. Mashiach is going to be teaching, but it's going to involve learning, studying, and therefore we might as well begin practicing now to start finding the pleasure and the delight in godliness through studying and learning and sometimes working very hard to understand this knowledge and to learn it, because that is the future. The future days of Mashiach is eight, nine hours of Hasidic classes.
That's what it's going to be. That's Mashiach's day. You think anything else is going to be? No. That's exactly what it's going to be. Mayan, eight-hour classes at Mayan Yisrael. Come, enjoy, learn, study, gain understanding, because it's available. That's little scharon to take the reward when Mashiach will come. May we merit uh, that uh, to see the coming of Mashiach now, and uh, we will appreciate the uh, new work that will be given to us, and we will all ju- do that lovingly, excitingly, and it's going to be very, 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 very special. May it happen now.